Tone Deaf is the journey of a musical theater nerd, bringing musicals into the life of their musically challenged spouse. The reactions to the musicals are real and mostly unedited. This show is rated explicit for mature content and strong language. Now sit back, relax, and have a laugh. You're listening to Tone Deaf. to Tone Deaf, a theater nerd's guide for their musically challenged spouse. I'm Kay, a musical theater nerd. And I'm Warren. I'm musically challenged and very concerned and want to get the puck out of here. <laughs> yeah, so we're doing the recommended score. It's a hockey musical. Um, it's from 2010. It's from Canada, so they're responsible for this. <laughs> It features Olivia Newton-John and a bunch of people I don't know. And you know what? I'm going to just read the back of the DVD real quick because this is about the most information that I have. (laughs) (laughs) So first off, the front of the DVD says, It's a true crowd pleaser from Peter Howell of the Toronto Star. Um, It's starring Noah Reed, Olivia Newton-John, Ally McDonald, and is by the director of One Week. Uh, the director's name is Michael McGowan. I don't know what one week is. Canadians help me out. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure they're listening going, oh, don't look at me. Yeah, um, more reviews on the back of the DVD, which we're going to get into this in a minute. Uh, Heartwarming from Stephen Cole, The Globe and Mail. An irresistible love letter to Canada's national pastime from uh, Michael Rechtschaffen, The Hollywood Reporter. Pure Fun from Susan, I can't pronounce that correctly. I'm going to try Lolsinia USA Today. Um, we've got special features, a making of, deleted scene, not scenes, scene. <laughs> Just one. Everything else was golden. And a sing-along track. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> To hear and see the winner of Score a Day as a Rockstar competition, you need to go to IndieDiscover, or indiscover.net. And now for the, uh, the synopsis. Put on your theater hat, Kay. All right. 24-year-old Farley has the stick-handling skills to be the next Sidney Crosby. Mm. Not that Farley has any idea who that is. Farley and I have something in common. Uh, his sheltered life consists of being homeschooled by his pacifist parents, hanging out with Eve, the beautiful girl next door, and playing... Shinny? Shinny, with the local rink rats. However, his idyllic world is turned upside down when he becomes an overnight su- success in a major hockey league, throwing him into a whirlwind of media hype and endorsement deals. Farley soon learns that there's an ugly side to hockey fame, which not only threatens to compromise his values, but his relationship with Eve. So it's a romance. Oh. And hockey. Oh, boy. So um, is, is Eve a, a, a puck bunny, then? Like, <laughs> I, think so. I think Eve is a puck bunny. Big um, city slams. 
Dirty fucking dangles, boys. Furtikay. So, this, uh... I don't think we could pick a better time to review this musical because Kay and I have been watching a lot of Letter Kenny oh on, uh, on Hulu. And it takes place in Canada, and hockey players are, are prominent because it's mostly, was it, uh, Hicks, Skids, Jocks, and I think that might be it, are like the pro- the predominant mm-hmm. archetypes of people in uh, the show. And so the hockey bros have a lot of uh, Canadian hockey bro slang is the only way I can kind of describe it. So Yeah, and... I, we're going into this completely unprepared because for me, the most exposure I've had to hockey was the Mighty Ducks. I've been to a couple Grizzlies games in Utah. You have? But yeah. yeah. But I mean, I couldn't tell you what was going on other than it looked like chaotic ice skating with sticks and yeah. the occasional shoulder check and maybe a brawl. Oh, and I did have hockey skates because I couldn't wear figure skating skates because my feet were too big <laughs> so i i did use hockey skates uh whenever i would ice skate which no i yeah i think my first exposure to hockey was probably watching uh adam sandler's happy gilmore mm-hmm. because he is a terrible hockey player in that oh yeah that that is some uh exposure that i have to hockey he, um, he is the only guy who's ever taken off his skate and tried to stab somebody with it I'm sure that there are other... I'm sure that Tanya Harding has done that. (laughs) Like, yeah. So, I love how you say that we're uh, unprepared going into this musical, and it's not for lack of trying on your part. (laughs) Yeah, because... So, I'm going to give as much as I could find on this without repeating information. Um, There's 21 songs in this. Oh, yikes. Uh, so it's more than the Steven Universe movie. So it's a musical musical. It is a musical musical. What if it's a sung through? I don't think so. I, I don't think it is. I think they would have warned us. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so the Toronto Star Review uh, says... So this is the one that the crowd pleaser was extracted from. Okay. This is the this is what uh, I could find on Wikipedia with the... Toronto Star Review, uh, without, like, going through and looking for the entire review to read from. Um, it was given two and a half stars out of four. Okay. Says, score isn't deep, and there's no danger of it becoming a global phenomenon. (laughs) (laughs) But it's a true crowd pleaser. There's the bit from the DVD. Uh, one that doesn't require season tickets to the Maple Leafs to appreciate. So I'm sure that we'll figure this out. Um... Globe and Mail gave it three stars out of four, saying, uh, McGowan's St. Ralph wonderful achievement here is making a discarded genre seem like ready-made fun. <laughs> he does so by creating a playful satire of musicals, hmm, while somehow, this is the hard part, capturing the charm that made the song and dance movies so popular. So I guess he's calling musical movies a discarded genre, which I'm like, no, that's not a discarded genre. I was going to say, watch your words there, reviewer. Yeah. I I can see the fire burning behind Kay's eyes as she's like, go fuck yourself. No, it's just, I mean, even by 2010, we had more musical movies coming back. Like from after Hello, Dolly flopped, then yeah, it kind of killed the genre for a little bit, but... um, I mean, we got Rent, we got Joseph, we got Cats in 99. 
uh, or 98. So, um, yeah, it wasn't a discarded genre and it's coming back even stronger. Um, then there's, there's the less positive reviews. Uh, <laughs> the C Greg Diamond of the CBC had, uh, that the film was, <clears throat> Marred by weak lyrics, even weaker melodies, and a number of actors who probably shouldn't be singing in public. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that is great. And this I one, don't, I don't recall being in this. <laughs> this one is some foreshadowing by Will Sloan of Exclaim. <clears throat> uh, failed on every, res resoundingly on every level. <laughs> <laughs> that it was selected to open the Toronto International Film Festival is embarrassing. <laughs> Which it did. It opened the Toronto International Film Festival. It was the opening movie. <laughs> oh. Well, I guess they want to start at a low point, so they have nowhere to go but up. <laughs> so, uh, with all that in mind, what do you think it's rated on Rotten Tomatoes? Uh, well, I didn't expect hair to be 90% on Rotten Tomatoes, mm -hmm. so let's say it's 50%. You're close. 46. Okay. Well. It's still got a higher approval rating than Donald Trump, <laughs> but that's not hard to do at this point. It is hockey. It is hockey, so there's, and Olivia Newton-John's in it, so that's like, okay, well, one person we know can sing. Whether or not she has good material to work with is an entirely different subject. Yeah, as we've discovered, um, you can be as talented as fuck, and you can be given terrible material, and no matter how talented you are, you can't save the material. Um, so this will be... Oh yeah, I forgot to mention there's trading cards on the back of the DVD cover of uh, the character's... <laughs> oh boy wonder if we need to track down these uh no these these <laughs> no. actors and get them to sign them no we don't um yeah you know I'm, i think it's funny that you track down uh some of the actual reviews because i always wonder in... well these were from wikipedia well, so i didn't do as much gotcha. because it was one of those things where like i look it up and i'm like wow the main things that I can find is the Wikipedia article, the IMDb article. <laughs> it's one of those things that when you, because uh, whenever I see a movie that I, either that I know is bad or I'm not anticipating to be good, mm -hmm. but it has like the positive quotes on the front of it from reviewers, I always wonder what the full context is. Yeah. You know, like where it says, Heartwarming by Stephen Cole of the Globe and Mail. I wonder if the actual quote is, this aims to be heartwarming, but falls into... <laughs> An yeah. utter pile of garbage. Like, what's the actual quote for some of these? Yeah. The creators were aiming for pure fun, says Susan. But really... The creators aimed for pure fun and fell short. <laughs> Failed to score a goal. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I apologize that we can't really uh, locate much on... The history of making this. This may I mean, turn out to be a mercy for Kay's sanity. Yeah. I mean, neither one of us are big hockey fans. No. I mean, we had the chance to have free hockey tickets at work, and we did not jump on those. Yeah. You know, work for their holiday party was like, oh, we're going to take everybody to a hockey game and give you a voucher for food. And we were like, we'll just stay home. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Food and beer. Yeah. No, I don't want to drink beer in front of my coworkers. <laughs> they don't need to know that 
I indulge in a we little bit of brew. I don't need to tell them what I really think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, no, I don't. I mean, this looks to be just, it's going to be, maybe it's going to be high school musical mixed with Hockey, I don't know. Did you ever see High School Musical? I want to say I saw, like, the second or the third one, and I don't remember the context behind it. I just remember people being like, what? You've never seen High School Musical? Because the only thing I remember about the one that I did see was that there was a Hawaiian dance scene. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing I remember. Uh, Yeah. You're not missing anything? I know that it was... will eventually cover it? I know it was incredibly popular, especially in Utah. Yeah, because it was filmed at East High. But it it was like, it was, you know, quote-unquote family-friendly, you know, and, and... Utah eats up anything that's family-friendly. Yeah, and especially if it's filmed here. Um, yeah, I don't... I don't know. I'm I'm thinking that that's what it's going to be like. Maybe because we're going into it with zero expectations, it'll be more enjoyable. You know, with the title like Score, I hope somebody gets laid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know. It's rated G, it looks like, so... Yes, it is rated... No, well, it says PG. So it's got... I think it's G for uh, Canada and PG... No, it's PG for US. Because it's it's kind of confusing. Because there's one that says PG and one that says G. Hmm. So I'm not sure what the actual rating is. Let's see. The PG is Canadian home video rating. So G must be for American audiences. So... I love that distinction. It's PG by Canadian standards and G for American. That's that makes me wonder some things. Um, it's only ninety two minutes, so yeah. I when you were saying that there were twenty one songs in there, I was doing the math to be like, okay, how many songs? You know, if it if they're this length, this that. But you know, I'm imagining songs won't be longer than three minutes, so we're yeah. gonna have about thirty minutes of no singing. So it'll be like the Steven Universe movie, but bad. <laughs> Possibly. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Maybe it'll be fun. Maybe this will be the greatest thing we've ever seen. And maybe. we will have to start proselytizing the word of score and be like, everybody it, needs to watch this. It does have one score above a lot of the shows that we've seen. It has closed captioning. Yay! So that's that's one point above a lot of the shows that we've seen. My deaf ass will be able to read the terrible lyrics. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Um... Yeah, so let's uh, let's hit the ice and uh, go score a goal with this show. I guess I can go work on my stick work, my stick handling. Yeah, my slapstick. <laughs> Hockey joke. <laughs> <laughs> let's take an intermission. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Folks, we have some pucking great news. We would like to welcome our newest stage crew sponsor, Reagan. Thank you so much for joining our stage crew and supporting our show. We would also like to thank our other stage crew sponsor, Jasmine Wu, for her continued support. And we would like to send another big thank you to our producer circle sponsor, Bianucci. 
Thank you so much for continuing to support us week after week. We truly appreciate it. Now let's hear from one of our favorite shows, History on Blast. Hello, and welcome to History on Blast. I'm Hillary, and I'll be your host as we call out history. Every other week, we'll be putting a different person, place, time, or event on blast for the shit that they pulled. This ain't your grandpa's history podcast, so if this sounds like your cup of harbor tea, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast catcher. And now, the lights are going down and the music is starting back up, so let's hop into the second act of the show. What'd you think? Hockey, hockey, the greatest <laughs> game in the land. Hockey, hockey, the greatest game in the <laughs> that, that song's going to be stuck in my head for the rest of my life. And not and in a good way. No. Uh, Fuck. So, God damn. Kay and I went through a bit of an emotional roller coaster <laughs> in this show. Um, as you will soon discover, wonderful listeners, um, there were, there were some parts early on that made us legitimately laugh. Like, just mm-hmm. straight up, they were hilarious, and we were like, wow, this... Well-written lines. Yeah, we're like, wow, this show might actually be better than we were thinking it would... Spoilers! <laughs> it takes a it takes a steep nosedive later. Uh, it's like they used up all of the good material within the first thirty minutes, and then after that, it just kind of you became know, terrible. You know, I so we haven't had alcohol for a month, a month because of this diet that we've been doing. Really rethinking that right now. Me too. Me too. I'm sitting here going, what's the lowest calorie alcohol that I could mm-hmm. imbibe? I think I could have some gin and tonic and be fine. <laughs> Jesus. I mean, we've got Music Man that we're going to watch after this, but K- K and I, I need deci- a break K and I decided, Yeah, we needed a break. Just, uh, uh, I think, uh, I think Score is making us rethink this podcast just a little. Jesus just, Christ. Just kidding. You're, you're not going to get rid of us. Nope. Uh, <laughs> But We're going to bring you the best of the best and the worst of the worst so, and all the in between. And we want to we want to both thank and curse Ruckland for bringing this musical to our attention. God damn it, man. We're going to do our best with this one, but holy shit. There, <laughs> the funny thing is about it is that, you know, really early on, it was pretty funny. There yeah. was some good stuff. I was like, wow, this is actually... Sp- I mean, other than the atrocious musical numbers, like yeah. for a musical... The music is really, really bad. Um, they Those reviews you read earlier were correct. They got a bunch of people who really had no business singing. Yeah. It probably would have been better if they would have had people who could sing dub over. Yeah. After. It might you know, have been better. But I just, I just don't know. It, it, this movie probably could have been way better if they didn't do it as a musical. If they yeah. just did it as a... A comedy slash love letter to hockey. Yeah, because the scenes that weren't musical scenes, like the scenes without musical numbers, 
were hilarious. Yeah, and, and even the ones that weren't necessarily funny were still pretty decent. Yeah, but then... Then they'd sing. <laughs> and it all went downhill from there. And Olivia. Olivia, what you doing? You know what's funny about her is you would think that with a big name like her, she would have been singing more. But yeah. But she really had a very small part. No. She... And her part was one of my least favorite characters in this movie. All right, shall we get into it? Yeah. All righty. Let's relive it. <laughs> Score, the hockey musical. The show opens up with a bored Canadian version of Doc Brown singing the Canadian <laughs> anthem with a child choir singing in the background behind him. It's kind of ominous and a little bit creepy. Mm -hmm. uh, with what looks like home footage of local hockey games that were probably compiled by the friends and family of the crew. Yeah. It just looks like a bunch of home VHS recordings of games on TV as well as like parents recording their kids playing hockey. Yeah. So it's just this mishmash of... Just hockey. And and one thing that I'm wondering, because of something that happens later, is I wonder if they're trying to, like, do a love letter to hockey greats, like, before they became great. Like, maybe it was home movies from their families. I don't know. Some of it was black and white, and a lot of it looked older. Yeah. Uh, considering the movie was done in 2010, and the main chunk of the cast is younger. Like, yeah. the, the video quality for even a home uh, recording would have been higher quality, mm -hmm. so that's not a bad, uh, a, that's not a bad uh, theory. Because that's the only thing I can think of. Because it was really grainy, like, 70s yeah. recordings, like the home and kids playing hockey and stuff like that, and then they had, like, black and white hockey on TV. And, yeah. And just, anyway, I think we're focusing too much on that. So... <laughs> I think we're trying to distract ourselves from oh the stuff God. we don't want to cover. Oh, and I want to see really quick who sings the... Oh, no. I I was wondering if the uh, guy singing Oh Canada at the beginning, or as they call it, Oh Hockey Canada, <laughs> um, was one of the hockey players, but... Um, John Charles McDermott? Yeah. Is he's a, a Scottish-Canadian... Tenor. Tenor, best so. known for rendering the songs Danny Boy. Okay, so, he, so he's the... No. He, well, I will, he's referred to me as Canadian Doc Brown. Uh, he is the one singing the uh, Canadian National Anthem in the very beginning. And he also shows up later, doesn't he? Is Or am I mixing up older white guys? Um, I, I thought he was there at, like, the Hockey Legends scene. I think he was... Well, he was in the Hockey Legends scene that was cut that we'll talk about later. Yeah, but he, but, but he was yeah, all the same guy was, in the beginning. He was the same guy in the okay. beginning. So anyway, well, that's the thing. is The Hockey Legends scene, it wasn't cut. It was just condensed. Yeah. Because they do have that scene in the movie. They just take out a decent chunk of it. Thank God. So I... Yeah, to show you how what gluttons we are for punishment, after we... <laughs> watched the musical k was like let's see the deleted scene and like if we must just because i was like oh do we want to destroy this dvd <laughs> do, do we want to do we want to see what they decided needed to be cut like because the rest of it was just so which, good which, because of the way that i am we still have the dvd it's still intact because i spent money on this and... i was joking with k that would be funny to do is snap the dvd in half and take a picture of it and be like well this evil is never going to be viewed again. But no, I it's still intact. And it'll it'll get put into a box and buried somewhere for the rest of eternity. It'll be like a uh, Jumanji. <laughs> it'll get unearthed decades later, and we'll be like, "Oh, do you remember this, dear?" Fuck That's this how piece we of die. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> 
After the opening song, we have our main character from the box cover playing a friendly neighborhood game of Puck Slap. (laughs) Our assumed hero narrates his slick stick skills to the opposing team as he scores a goal net point unit. (laughs) The movie takes this moment to show us the dictionary definition of score, which I will now read to you, fine listeners, because I had to see it. Score. Noun. Number one. A numerical record. Number two, a grievance that requires satisfaction. Number three, a notation of a musical work. And oddly enough, uh, the, the, all three of those definitions actually fit within the show. <laughs> yeah, that's why they did it, because they had to be like, hey, guess what? We're fitting all three definitions, and this is our foreshadowing. It just made me laugh. It was such an odd scene because, oh. you know, uh, we just have our main character, and he's just playing, you know, a local game of hockey with some neighborhood friends, and he's demonstrating his skills, and he's narrating his moves. Like, it, it's like he's so good, he's telling people what he's going to do, and then does it. So that, yeah. like, I'll give you a chance to defend. Oh, you're not good enough. Like, And stuff like this never happens again in the musical. Like, other than one scene later with an animated thing going on, stuff like the showing the definition of score never fucking happens again. Yeah. And so it just, it takes you out of it. What's funny is that But a lot of it does. I feel like if this was more of a comedy and less of a musical, that would have been a great motif to have. Yeah. Like when someone drops like a big word or maybe makes an esoteric reference, you would have just Mm. paused it and had it like here's the word here's what it means and then carry on like that actually would have been pretty funny that would have been funny but no they just do it once with score and never do it ever again Uh, our hero rejoices with his friends uh, at his uh, sorry our hero rejoices with his friends at his goal and uh, Smokey Man skates onto the scene and criticizes our hero saying that he can beat him in a one on one match but not before telling a marginal member of society to shut up our hero Farley we learn his name is wipes the rink with the douchebag uh, rando puck prick (laughs) and earns a quick 50 bucks. The pucky McPrickerson tells the others that he's seen all the greats skate and he could have been in the NHL. Everyone is like, yeah, yeah, sure, pay up, buddy, and get the fuck out of the rink, but in a polite Canadian way. And in that scene, because it's really bizarre because our main character, we find out, is 17. He's just a kid. Yeah. And he's playing with some friends, and this older guy who's, like, in his 40s is smoking, skates up, and he's like, meh, you're not so good. And Farley's like, hey, you know, you can't skate, you can't smoke on the rink, it's a public place, you know, you should put out your cigarette. And the guy puts out a cigarette and then, like, shoves Farley, what are you gonna do about it? And I'm like, I don't know what it is in in Canada, but that's definitely assault in the U.S., yeah. assaulting a minor. I'm like, what a big man, some 40-year-old picking on a 17-year-old kid who's just playing hockey. I'm like, wow, what a douchebag. I feel like this movie forgets the age of the main character a few times. Oh, it definitely does. This, you know what this kind of reminds me of a little bit in a, in a weird roundabout way? is It kind of reminds me of the movie Rookie of the Year. Did you ever see that? once when i was really little it's not a bad movie but it kind of reminds me of that like Mm -hmm. you have a person who's probably too young to be playing a professional sport playing a professional sport but they're remarkably good like otherworldly good Uh, and this was our first glimpse at the fact that they had non-singers singing oh my god it was so painfully obvious and I feel super... Because some of the people didn't do too terrible... Oh, my God, Kay, you were so funny. Uh, Just as soon as they start singing, I see Kay start, like, doing that that head... That involuntary head jerk. (laughs) 
because her eardrums are being, it's like nails on a chalkboard oh for her. Oh my god. And I could tell it was terrible, which means that Kay was painfully aware of how terrible it was. And it was funny watching you just kind of shrink down in the couch and squirm at how terrible it was, which it was funny because you kind of got desensitized to it later and I noticed yeah. the squirming stopped, but instead you just had this look on your face. I was in hell, you guys. <laughs> oh my god, it was okay. Okay. All right. So after after Farley beats the uh, smoking mean Canadian guy, on his way home from his epic victory, Farley runs into his best friend, Jesus. a girl, and we are treated to an exposition song in which we find out that Farley's that Farley's friend Eve is in love with him. She they sing about their child. Oh, we've known each like, and they they sing a little bit together, but they live the right uh, their next door neighbors. So as they kind of walk home and then split off. They start singing about how they've known each other since they were children and they're best friends. They know all their secrets and Eve makes it very obvious that, he, oh, he knows all of my secrets, but one and has this like look in her face and opens up her diary and then closes it. So we're immediately led to assume, oh, okay, she's got a wet vagina for, <laughs> for Farley's stick and Farley's oblivious to it. And, uh, you know, which, of course, is just going to be a plot point later. Uh, and it highlights the bad songwriting in this, because in order to rhyme with two or something like that, like, he mentions that he was two or something when he met her or something like that. And she says, like, we came here when I was three when my parents were doing a fundraiser for Desmond Tutu. And I'm like, why? Why was this the lyrical choice? Why was any of this the... And if you watch it as a satire, okay, I guess, but... <laughs> it's done in two... It's all over the place. It really is all over the place, because there's parts where it like, tries to be like really serious and genuine, and then there's parts where it breaks the fourth wall. Yeah. And then there's parts where it's just wacky. It, it doesn't... It doesn't know what it's doing. It doesn't know what it's doing, yeah. Uh, so... Okay, after Eve and Farley have their independent but somehow conjoined song, Farley has lunch with his intellectual parents, and t and they talk of a trip to Russia that's coming up. For some reason, Farley shows off his self-taught Russian skills, and, you know, that was kind of a bizarre thing. His parents are like, when did you learn Russian? He's like, well, I taught myself. You're homeschooled. Yeah, he's a, he's a homeschooled kid. And uh, he thanks his parents for lunch, and then he says that he's going to go play some more hockey. His parents oppose it, because they don't want their son to be a jock. Farley is like, but exercise is healthy, and then he bounces out of the door of the house and go to go play. Uh, we cut to an old man walking his grandson to preschool, I think. I think that's what was happening. Yeah. <laughs> the little bastard is throwing a fit. Grandpa's words, not mine. <laughs> but the grandpa sees Farley's stick-handling skills and is impressed. He approaches Farley and tells him he's Mr. Acorn. I don't remember what his first name was, mm -hmm. uh, but his last name was Acorn, because yep. Canada? I don't... Okay. Uh, the owner... He's uh, Mr. Acorn, the owner of the Blades, and he wants him to play hockey. Farley is like, but my parents won't like that. Uh, I want to take a moment because one of the best characters in this is that Mr. Acorn. Yes, he is. And he's only really in it for this beginning 
period, and then he kind of disappears. He shows up a couple of other times for visual gags, yeah. pretty much. I mean, he shows up a little bit, but he doesn't have any of these great no. lines. Like, it's so funny, He's because he's walking his grandson, his grandson, like, just throws a fit and falls on the floor, and the grand... And Acorn walks over and he stands over his grandson and he goes, get up, you little bastard. Yes. <laughs> it was that first moment that Carly and uh, Kay and I were like, That's, this prince might be actually a little entertaining. Yeah. And uh, and we were lied to. We were lied to. We were misled. It's the old bait and switch. Yeah. It's the, it's the Canadian bait and switch. And I will say, he is the best character in the movie. The second best character we'll talk about later. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... After Acorn uh, tells Farley that he wants to play for him, and Farley's like, but my parents won't like that. Acorn goes to Farley's house and talks to his parents, who proceed to take a dump on their kids' dreams. Acorn tells Farley to ignore his parents, because he's making a huge mistake if he doesn't go play hockey. Yeah. Uh, Farley has a song number with his best friend slash future love interest, and she tells him that playing hockey will help him, adva- will help him advance the plot. They sing mm-hmm. it together. Seriously, this movie is aware of itself. I'm not sure if this movie is aware of itself or not. Pick a direction. Are you Deadpool or are you just brain dead? <laughs> because they're 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 in this art museum where they volunteer because that's what Canadian teenagers who are homeschooled do, I guess. Uh, and Farley's singing about, I want to play hockey, but my parents don't like it. And she's like, well, you should follow your dreams. Plus, it'll advance the plot. And then they say that line multiple times. Advance the plot, plot, plot. So in this universe of the musical, they're aware that they're in a movie. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I... So, and they only do that once. They only break the fourth wall and reveal that they are aware that they're in a movie. They only do it once. And I'm like, if you're going to do it, like, be consistent. Yeah. Sometimes the consistency. Because if this movie had chosen to do that the whole time, I could forgive it a little bit more. I I really wish that they would have settled on a tone. If they would have picked, mm-hmm. if they would have picked wacky and fourth wall breaking throughout it probably would have been a lot more entertaining despite the terrible songs yeah but it it uh bounces back and forth so much between its tones that it's hard to take it serious like it's hard i don't know it's hard to give it too much i don't know too much dead uh, i don't know what i'm trying to say okay okay (laughs) so farley shows up to play for the blades and the coach is a right prick and tells him to puck off and go join the figure skating team instead. Farley is like, but Mr. Acorn! And the coach is like, for puck's sake, okay. (laughs) And gives Farley the chance to score some goals against the other team members. And he's looking to make the coach choke on... (laughs) Farley is looking to make the coach choke on his stick skills. The coach decides to nip this upstart in the bud and brings on the moose, who knocks Farley flat on his back. Farley wakes up in the locker room and is treated to the coach and the equipment manager. I think that's who the guy was. They Big never shrug. say. Uh, I think he's the equipment manager. Anyway, uh, the equipment manager telling him that he'll get killed if he stays to play hockey. Farley tells them that he felt like there was a hole in his life and Mr. Acorn filled that hole deep inside of him <laughs> with hockey. Hockey is what fills Farley's hole. Coach tells him that he can't kick him off the team and that he gets one game to prove himself. So in this bit, Farley shows up and he's just in his normal garb. He's got his own stick and skates and he gets on the rink and the rest of the team is playing hockey and the coach is like, hey, this is a private rink. You need to leave. And he's like, oh, I'm I'm here to join the team. And the guy's like, yeah, okay, go 
go put on your your spandex and dance with the girls, Twinkle Toes, basically, is what he says. And the guy's like, but Mr. Acorn told me I should come play. And and uh, the coach says, last guy that Acorn brought me only played one game. And he's like, why, what happened? He caught a, a puck with his teeth and broke his jaw in four yeah. places and that kind of thing. And, and Farley's like, well, I'm not leaving. Like, I'm here to play. And they're, they're like, fine, okay, we'll give you a chance. So they give him this, like, hand-me-down gear that doesn't quite fit that he's wearing uh, to to do this tryout. And they set him up against two people and he just immediately, bam, bam, gets through these two guys, scores a goal, and has this look of like, yeah. And they're like, okay, he's got some skills. And then, rather than like, actually let the kid play and show what he can do, he's just like, fine, I'm gonna get the biggest guy on the team to yeah. knock you down. Which he does. And, uh... Because he's, he's supposed to be a 17-year-old kid, and he's way smaller than, like, everybody else on the team. Yeah. There is a great visual gag, though, with the cup. The... Yeah. So when he's in the locker room and the equipment manager gives him the uh, bag full of used gear, you know, trial gear, whatever you want to call it, uh, this is a kid who's never played on a team or anything, so he's never actually worn hockey equipment. And he grabs the the uh, crotch cup and he puts it over his face. He's like, like this? And the guy's like, not unless you have a dick nose or something. Yeah. I can't remember exactly the dick line. Dick face, I think. Yeah, dick face. And uh, it was funny. And then he like gets that on the rink and the equipment doesn't quite fit right. So he's like tugging at his crotch. And the guy's mm -hmm. like, yeah, something wrong with your balls? He's like, oh, the, the gear doesn't quite fit. He's like, yeah, you won't be wearing it long. It's yeah. Like, All right. So <clears throat> those moments that just made us laugh a little bit. Excuse me. We were looking for those. Yeah. We were looking for those, and they're only in the first half of this show. Mm -hmm. Actually, the first third. Mm -hmm. So, the team's first game with Farley is up against the Devils, a bunch of cheap shot, cheap as puck holes who are, the who are in the first place because of their dirty ways. A mouse, that's right everyone, a mouse, is spotted in the locker room, and all the big tough hockey players piss their pants in fear. But not Farley, because he's not an idiot. It's a pucking mouse, you stickheads. <laughs> so, and uh, while Farley's holding this mouse and everybody else is freaking out about, get rid of it, get rid of it, you know, uh, the referee, I think, is, comes into the locker room, okay, it's time to, to go play, and so everybody starts filing out while Farley's holding this mouse. Yeah. And, uh... The whole team is called onto the ice, and it's Farley's first real professional hockey game. Holy shit, Squirrely Dan from Letterkenny is in the background! Yes! <laughs> this was, this might, I don't know, this was probably the best part for Kay and I. Yeah, we've been like, watching a lot of Letterkenny, and we see one of the uh, characters in the background, in the stands cheering and we're like holy shit is that squirrely dad and as i'm typing my notes k gets online and googles it yep that's squirrely dad yep and the whole rest of the time i was going okay so where's wayne where's yeah we're looking, <laughs> where's for, every, where's we're looking for everybody else that was pretty great uh what was funny about that though is a little side note k <laughs> when she's looking up uh to see if squirrely that was squirrely dan she's like wow he's not that much older than us and like, how old is he he's 38 you know, Kay and I are 32 and 31, respectively, and we're like, wow. So he swings to the opposite end of the spectrum, where Kay and I look like baby high schoolers. We get ID'd at PG-13 movies. That has only happened once, and it happened when we were in our mid-20s, but yes, that happened. We also had a stint at Saturday's Foyer where they thought that we were 12 when we asked for a Jello shot. Yeah, they so. said we don't give Jello shots to 12-year-olds. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, those embarrassing anecdotes aside... Uh, Squirrely Dan 
I'm sorry, dude, but you swing to the opposite end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. You look about a decade older than you actually are. Yeah, sorry, dude. Just Kay and I look about a decade younger than we actually are. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, we all have our crosses to bear, right? Okay. So, a fight breaks out on the ice, and Acorn s- sings to Farley about how... T- uh, how fighting is an important part of hockey, and that they're just blowing off steam, not really hurting anyone, to the chorus of jab, jab, kidney punch, jab, jab, kidney punch. <laughs> and then the camera pans over the team, who all have bloodied faces, because no one's getting hurt. And it was like, right before the game even began, there was just this brawl. And it's mm. like, tradition, the opening brawl, I guess, yeah, of the game. Yeah, I, I don't know. And that's when Acorn's like, yeah, this is normal. They're just blowing off steam before they play. And uh, Farley was a homeschooled kid, and he's a pacifist, and he's raised to not fight. So this is complete culture shock mm-hmm. for him. While, and uh, So after the opening brawl, Farley squares up against an intimidating devil with a broken nose, and the, when the ref says he wants a good, clean game, the devil tells the ref to eat his rectal cheese. Yep. And Farley is like, and then he t- looks at Farley and says, you're a dead man walking. Farley proceeds to show off his puck-handling stick skills and leads the team to victory. He gets a brief TV spot where the announcer praises him, and Farley gives the deer-in-the-headlights look out of shock. Yep. And uh, that... I would... That, I know this is like supposed to be uh, PG by Canadian standards, mm-hmm. and it, it's just made me laugh. You got an old guy calling his grandson a little bastard. Yeah, you got this guy telling the ref to eat his ain't his rectal cheese. Yeah, and I'm just like this. Like it made me laugh. I was just like, this is supposed to be Canadian. I thought all you people were so nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh. Fucking DJ from upcountry. <laughs> that's right. The guy's a DJ from upcountry. So, after Farley wins the game for the team, basically, the team is chanting his name in the locker room, but stops after Coach Cremudgeon comes in and tells him to shut up. He pulls out one of the other players, and Farley asks, Why? A kindly Canadian French fry explains to Farley that the guy the coach pulled out, let's call him Gus, because I don't care to remember his name. Gus gets pulled off the team since Farley is officially on the team. Gus was a terrible player, but hockey was his whole life after his parents were killed by a grizzly bear. <laughs> and the coach all but adopted poor Gus. Farley asks the Frenchie, the French fry, why? What will happen to Gus now? And French fry tells him, gives us the first true golden nugget of greatness, mm-hmm. telling us that Gus will likely knock up his ugly girlfriend, get married, have two children, gain weight, and in 20 years get fired from his horrible job, the stress of which will cause him to have a heart attack within a week. But the mercy of death will deliver him from the shame of having that hockey jersey torn from him years before. But that's just his guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, French Frenchman, I, I asked Kay, I was like, Frenchman's probably incorrect, right, since he's Canadian? She's like, yeah, of course, he's not French. And I was like, well, he's French-Canadian. He's French-Canadian, <laughs> so I'm going to call him French fry. Or Frenchie, one of the two. But anyway... That scene was was so great. You, it was so unexpected. You and I laughed so hard. We had to pause it. We had to pause it so I could type it up. But, oh, my God. When Farley's like, what, what happened? What's what's he going to do? Oh, well, since you're on the team, coach has to get rid of somebody. He's going to get rid of Gus. Gus was better suited at uh, driving a Zamboni, but hockey was his whole life. And ever since his parents were killed by a grizzly bear, and coach took him in. <laughs> 
Rocky's been everything he's ever known. Well, what's going to happen to him now? Oh, he'll knock up his uglier-than-sin girlfriend. He'll get married, have a couple of kids, gain a bunch of weight, and in 20 years he'll get laid off of his terrible job. The stress of which will cause him a heart attack within a week, but the sweet release of death will take away the painful memories of having that hockey jersey ripped from him years before. That's just my guess. It was the best scene in the movie. It was... Why was the rest of the movie not like this? If the rest of the dialogue was as funny as that, I would love this movie. But like I said, oh. they used up all the good parts early on. But that scene was just, oh my god. Okay. Not kidding. Like, that was what he said. It was so glorious and unexpected. Thank you, Frenchie. You are great. <laughs> so, after having Frenchie explain to him of uh, Gus's impending spiral in life, downward spiral of life... Farley stares into the existential void at Frenchie's revelation, but his, but it's cut short by the family boarding a bus ride home and singing about how great Farley was and how much they hate hockey. Like, his family is, like, trying to be supportive, and they're like, you were great, but man, we wish you weren't playing hockey. Hockey's God. so violent and terrible, but you were great, Farley. The scene fades to dark, and a TV spot appears, and our likely villain is shown, seeing Farley kicking ass. He calls up one of his people to find out everything about Farley and why they have not heard of him because they want him for their evil hockey plans. Everyone wants a piece of Farley. So I need to correct that note because the guy that we see, I realized, I didn't realize until way later, he's the douchebag marketing guy. Yeah. I thought he was going to be the owner of some other team or the mm-hmm. coach of some other team and he's going to want to snipe no. Farley for their team. Because that seemed like a logical plot point in a sports movie is to try and steal another team's ace player. But no, he's just a douchebag marketing guy who's like, we can make money off this guy. And you know what? That would have been a much more interesting conflict. That would have been a more interesting conflict. But anyway, we're treated to a brief game where Farley kicks butt. Farley is then woken. Like, he just shows the game. Farley scores a bunch of goals. There's cheering. And then, boom, it cuts to him sleeping in bed. Mm-hmm. Farley is woken up by his future girlfriend via phone can. And they talk for a bit about Farley's playing and Eve's cello playing. Farley thanks Eve for waking him up or he might have missed practice. Eve is like, but we volunteer at the soup kitchen on Wednesdays. Farley is blinded by the dimples of her smile and is like, oh, I guess I can miss practice. And so since these two are neighbors, they have the telephone can thing. Like, and I guess it's actually I'm wrong about that. It's not the telephone can. It's just an alarm. So like the yeah, way it's, it's a lever that they can tap on yeah. each other's windows yeah, with. That's what it is. So like you pull a string in your room and then it taps on the other person's window so that you can open mm-hmm. up the window and just talk to each other since their rooms are like right next to each other. Um Coach Cremudgeon is not happy about Farley missing practice and has a rage song. He confronts the owner who says, suck it up or I'll get a new coach who can work with the prodigy. Farley wins the game for everyone, as usual, the next game they play, and he gets interviewed. Farley pulls another Farley move and is like, it's sad that the other team lost. They wanted to win too. Maybe we should just throw out the scoreboard and play for fun. To which, like... He's get, he has these two microphones pointed in his face as he's saying this, and one of the guys, like, the microphone just goes limp in his hand and basically falls out, and he's like, unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where you start to see what the conflict of the movie's gonna be, and it's fucking stupid. Yeah, basically, <laughs> Farley, I don't... 
It's have, so dumb. I have issues with Farley because he's basically a Mary Sue. He is. He and is it's just horrible. He is just perfect in every way, and it's annoying because you can't like a character. Like his only flaw is that he doesn't want to be aggressive in an aggressive sport. Yeah. Everybody wants him to throw down his gloves and do fisticuffs with mm-hmm. the opposing team, and he's like, "But can't we all just be friends?" Like he, it's. Like I'm not advocating violence or anything, but it's hockey. Yeah, like, it's 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 football and soccer on ice. Like you you slam into people. Like it's 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 hockey. Yeah, it's you you're gonna be a little bit rough. It's like saying I want to play football, but I don't want to tackle anybody. It's like I'm, I'm anyway. Okay. <laughs> there's, yeah. There's plenty of other things to rant about in this movie. Yeah. Eve and Farley have a heart-to-heart where Eve asks if Farley is getting along with the team, and Farley is like, yeah, I guess, and Eve tells him to slow his roll and not get so invested that he loses sight of the other important things. <coughs> like her! Mm-hmm. Farley responds by, like, telling her everything is fine, but let's go race up the stairs! Swing and a miss there, Far. So in that scene, when she's asking him if he's getting along with the team... We're then treated to basically Farley being on in the locker room and on the road with the guys, mm-hmm. and they're just a bunch of rowdy jocks, and he's like doesn't fit in, doesn't want to be a part of it. Yeah, so that's why he's kind of like, yeah, I guess I'm fitting in. Mm-hmm. Um, Farley is at practice with the team and is balancing his puck on his stick with his eyes closed. Which impresses the moose, who comes up to him and is like, how do you do that with your eyes closed? And Farley explains that it's a simple metaphysics <laughs> trick that he picked up from some monks when his family was vacationing in some place that I can't pronounce. <laughs> moose asks if Farley can teach him that, and Farley is like, sure, but from 1 to 10, how good is your personal meditation skill? Moose is like, what? And Farley proceeds to teach the entire team how to meditate, and we are treated to the entire fucking team levitating on the ice. Kay and I freaking lost it at this scene. It's another golden nugget in this pucking turd. It is It is a great... It's another... It's the second great scene in this movie, because it's actually impressive. Like... Farley is, like, doing the om... Yeah, he's doing om meditation. Om meditation. And he has his eyes closed, and he's rolling the puck back and forth on his stick, like, balancing it. And it's actually quite impressive. And that's when Moose comes up, and he's like, how do you do that? And that's when he... Oh, it's a simple metaphysics trick that I picked up from some monks, blah, 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 when my family was vacationing in this place. And... But... The fact that it cuts to, like, when it cuts to him teaching the entire team how to meditate, you don't see it at first. You just see above the uh, shoulders of his face, and you see his arms go wide, and he's, oh, and then the camera zooms out, and everybody is in fucking lotus pose, levitating, like, four feet above the ice. It was one of those brilliant film moments that I was like, oh, this is the kind of movie we're getting. Like, so maybe I'll, I'll ignore the shitty singing and, you know, but no. Uh, Acorn calling his grandson the bastard. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
the the Frenchman talking about Gus's spiral into a heart attack, and the levitating scene all happened within the first 30 minutes, and it gave me hope for this movie. Yeah. It gave us both hope for this movie. Yeah. And, and we were laughing so much, we're like, man, we may have misjudged this movie. Yeah. Despite the terrible singing, this is actually pretty entertaining. That's where it ends, folks. <laughs> the best... The movie peaked way too early. So... The, uh, yeah, I... I was I was legitimately sitting there going, you know, maybe I was wrong, and maybe these reviewers were wrong, and maybe just maybe, this is, this might be a good, funny, entertaining movie. You know, maybe that they were just judging it on the musical aspect of it and not the other stuff because granted you know the music's terrible guys wall to wall the music is trash like there is nothing there's there's not one single good song really i mean even if we have any stuck in our head it's not for good reasons um most of the cast can't sing Mm -hmm. and it just but then there's these little nuggets of humor and 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 acting that are just entertaining Mm -hmm. and if it was more of that it would have been an enjoyable movie but i have a note in here after the levitating uh comment the movie is paused at this point for about the fourth or fifth time because damn it you guys this is stupid but funny and entertaining we're 37 minutes in still have an hour to go what other nuggets await us on the ice and that's when (sighs) yeah we got our hopes up but there was so much going on the first third. I kept apologizing to Kay because I had to keep having her pause because there was funny shit. And yeah. I had to hype it up. And the movie is very fast paced because they will jump scenes. You know, it'll be, they'll have like 10 seconds of them in a game and then 15 seconds of talking and then mm-hmm. it'll jump to another game. Like it's, the pacing is a little bizarre. Yeah. Um, but it's not the most bizarre thing in the movie. No, no, it's not. <laughs> So we get a song and dance number after the levitating. It's about male bonding, complete with a massive CGR, CGI fart lighting. <laughs> uh, in Farley's words, it's great to have boyfriends. <laughs> so like after he does the meditating om stuff with the team, it then is like, oh, you're one of the guys. We thought you were lame, but you're actually pretty great. And Farley starts to engage in the uh the male mm-hmm. adolescent bonding rituals such as lighting your farts and since farley is fucking a prodigy at everything he lights the biggest dragon breath of a fart <laughs> and they had they, they had a fucking cgi you know like yeah. earlier they had one of the guys lighting his farts and it's just this little <sighs> when farley does it it's like <gasps> he's a gary stew He's a Gary Stu. He's just perfect at everything. It's like, ugh, it's it's so annoying. You can't you can't yeah. enjoy a character like that. But it was I did laugh at his line. It's great to have boyfriends because mm-hmm. his only friend is a girl. But it's like phrasing. Uh, well, other than the friends he was playing hockey with at the beginning. True, as that's true. Is like because those and what's interesting about those guys is they're all much older than him. Like, yeah, they're, they're all adults playing with a seventeen-year-old, but they're mm-hmm. just you know neighborhood people getting together to play hockey, like yeah. at the local park, basically. And uh, yeah, anyway, uh, Farley goes uh, to the marketing meeting, and this is where we get to meet the the douchebag who saw him on TV and was like, "Find out everything you know about this guy." I thought he was, you know. Like I said before, I thought he was going to be a coach or an owner of some rival team and we'd get a much more interesting plot development. Mm -hmm. But no, 
He's just a marketing guy who sees that Farley is popular and he wants to slap his face on everything that he possibly can so that mm-hmm. they can make a bunch of money. Uh, Farley goes to the marketing meeting where a douchebag marketing person tells Farley to just sell products regardless of if he actually uses them. It's the gravy train of life, Farley. Ladle up. So it was funny because this scene... So there's a children's book that I cannot remember the title of and it's bothered me for months. And this scene kind of reminded me of it. And I think I've told you a little bit about it. It's about a cat that ends up becoming a TV sensation because he's advertising milk. And so I was going, oh, this is going to go in that same vein where it's the evils of marketing and advertising and losing your true self to uh, the corporate mentality. That's where I thought it was going at this point in the musical. It dips its toe into that. Yeah. Like, it goes that way a little bit. It cannot decide where it's going. Yeah, that's the thing is the movie can't commit to a direction so instead it pulls itself in it tries to pull itself in every direction. It tries to octopus this thing. Like, it tries to fucking go everywhere. Yeah. So, Farley uh, drops in on Eve and her Italian musician friend ice skating and you can tell that he's like that's my woman and eve is like he's just a friend eve wakes up farley uh wait eve wakes farley up with their telephone cans and farley snaps eve is like damn bro calm down i don't like the italian so i think i forgot to mention it earlier in one of the scenes where eve is like oh how's your hockey game and it cuts to him winning and he's like oh yeah it was fine and he's like how's your cello playing and it shows her playing cello with this Italian guy who's playing on piano, and they're a good uh, musical combo. They mm-hmm. you know they play really well. But the Italian guy is really sleazy, and you can mm-hmm. tell he's got a thing for Eve, and he just gushes over her. Yeah. And uh, so I've left that part out. Um, he's, the, he's the other cock in the hen house, so to speak. <laughs> uh, so that's when uh, Farley is just happens to be walking by, and he sees Eve skating with him. I don't know why Eve doesn't know how to skate, they're Canadian, and she has a friend who loves to play hockey. You would mm-hmm. think that even as kids, they probably would have gone ice skating. Because, I mean, someone in Canada, that you guys ice skate, right? That's just, like, the Canadian thing. Like, it's a nice day outside. Let's go ice skating. Like, <laughs> right? Am I being an asshole? <laughs> Maybe I am. Uh, Jesus I'm an American. If it's a nice day outside, we just go shooting, so. Oh, my God. <laughs> just kidding. Jesus <laughs> Uh, that was a poor joke. Oh, man. Uh, But oddly truthful. uh, So, that's what happens when Farley is just, he sees Eve, you know, ice skating with the Italian, and he gets a curmudgeon-y look on his face, and Eve, you know, and and Marco is his name, we find out, you know, stroll up to him on the side of the ring, and they're like, oh, hi, how's it going? Mm -hmm. And Farley is like, Yeah. And that's when later on he snaps at Eve and she's like, I don't like him, okay? Calm down, he's not mm-hmm. my type. And Farley's like, yeah, you say that, but, 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 but... They're living next door to each other, they sure don't communicate. Right? They're supposed to have been best friends for their entire lives since they were, like, children. And mm-hmm. they live next to each other and they're always doing stuff together. You feel like as soon as puberty hit, they would have been the very first people that they would have been like, Hey... How's it going? You know, I don't know. But, uh... That or else, like, they mention a couple of times a little bit of Westermark, uh, effect that he's like, oh, she's like a sister to me. No, that's, I guess that's true. He, so. He's, and they, they do talk about that later. But anyway, <sighs> uh, let's, uh, 
let's uh, slide into the the goal post of this pucktacular yeah. musical. Uh, Farley does a TV spot on a hockey TV sports channel thing and reveals that he has his own underwear line. Farley is swarmed by puck bunnies and Moose is like, man, I love surfing in your wake and takes a cleavage shot of one of the girls. Tasteful. So like Farley, like you get to see this billboard of Farley just wearing briefs because yeah. he has his own underwear line. And as they're walking, like these girls rush up to him ah! and they mm-hmm. want his autograph. And Moose is, like, a foot and a half taller than Farley. So yeah. he just is standing over him, and he leans with his phone and very obviously is taking a picture of this girl's boobs, and he goes, man, I love surfing in your wake. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I guess the woman's fine with that, even though she wasn't interested in him. Who knows? She's a puck bunny. She's a puck bunny, you know. That's another term from Letterkenny. It's a show you should all watch. And, yes. And... And then listen to the How Are You Now pod. Which we need to listen to. Uh, in the next... Okay. <clears throat> in the next game they play, Farley is kicking ass, as usual. A fight breaks out, and the goalie comes after Farley. Farley turtles like a pro, and the goalie just wails on him over and over again as the crowd grows... As the crowd slowly grows silent. And everyone is like, damn, Farley's a bitch and there's the conflict of the whole that's pucking movie that's where the real conflict comes in so farley has scored three goals in this game and the goalie is pissed so when this fight breaks out farley's just standing in the middle of the rink looking around holding his stick and oh i was worried when you took a sip of your water because i thought you might spit so because you know holding his dick holding his stick anyway so Farley's holding his stick, and the goalie locks eyes with him from across the rink and is like, this is the bastard who's been making me look bad, and just beeline straight for Farley. And Farley just curls up in the fetal position and just lets the guy wail on him, mm-hmm. and everybody just stops, and they're watching him, and the guy just keeps wailing on him until he finally is like, he's not defending himself, and he kind of stops. And that, like Kay said, that's where the real conflict of the show comes in, is that he's a hockey player who doesn't want to brawl. It's like Ferdinand the Bull, but lame. (laughs) But on ice, with skates, and sticks, and pucks. Farley just wants to sit and smell the flowers. Yep. So, in the locker room... Farley defends his pacifism and gets chewed out by the coach. The team sings about how he needs to man up and fight. Cause hockey, is he, cause hockey. The team is super pressuring of Farley to fight. Throw some punches, Farley. Uh, and Farley is not having any of it. And they, they basically tell him, like, we will, you know, we'll have your back, but we can't. They say they make this weird rationale of we can't defend someone who won't defend themselves. Yeah. Which. I don't know. Like, I would think that if I was on a hockey team and I was a bigger, more imposing individual and there was the ace of the team who was really good at scoring goals. Yeah. I would just knock the shit out of everybody who gets it. But then again, I don't know what the rules of our hockey. I don't either. If you hit somebody who didn't hit you, like, is that a rule or something? I don't know. Like, they they make this comment of, you know, we will have... We'll have your back in the game, but not on the ice or something with with regards to fighting. And it just, it was one of those, and like they tell him, oh, you aren't our band, you aren't in our band of brothers. And I'm like, he's had so many games with them. 
How has this not come up by this point? Yeah, it's a really good point. Especially, I thought he would get into a fight in the very first one with the uh, yeah. the, the devil who tells him that he's a dead man walking. Like, yeah. It's it's a weird conflict to have in the movie. And at, at some points before that, like people would come up as if they were going to get in his face and Moose would knock him out of the way. So I was sitting there going, wait, where is this coming from? Yeah. This doesn't makes sense and that was when i realized that all of the good in the movie had been used it had up. been used up and already i realized that we were in for another hour of hell well 45 minutes of hell because this is about the point where about the 45 minute mark is where it's like Oh, it's, or the 45 it, minutes left mark is where... Well, no, no, no. Uh, I would say 45 minutes in is when all of the good has been used up. Yeah. But, but anyway, okay. Uh. So after Farley's embarrassing uh, display of pacifism, and I say embarrassing just... I mean, I'm kind of a pacifist, but in this hockey universe, this seems to be the greatest sin he could have ever committed was to mm-hmm. not fight. Uh, Farley has a bit of a spat with his parents on the bus ride home. They want him to quit hockey. Farley doesn't, and he gets off the bus in a huff, and Eve comes with him. Eve tells him to follow his heart, but Farley says everything is falling apart. Farley gets called out on TV for being a P-word, other than pacifist. Farley is confiding in Eve... And we think that he's going to say that he loves her, but instead he's like, My parents are lame and don't understand me. Eve starts sneezing uncontrollably and is having an allergic reaction to Farley's cologne. Farley not only forgot that his best friend has a horrible uh, perfume allergy, Mm -hmm. but that it was also her birthday as well. You're turning into a douche, Farley. God. It's a... I don't know. It's it's a scene. Uh, Farley is in Eve's room, pacing back and forth, and then he's like, oh, I have something I need to tell you. I've been wanting to tell you for a while. It's 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 so poorly executed because mm-hmm. it is set up to be, like, an actual reveal. Because you... Imagine this, Kay. Kay, we need to talk. There's something that I've been wanting to tell you for a long time, and... Gosh, this is hard. I don't... I don't know how to say this, so I'm just gonna say it. I like raspberries. Yeah, the, like that's basically the equivalent. That's of, what it is. That's the equivalent of what it is because you think that he's going to divulge that he has feelings for her, and you can see the hopeful look on her face, you mm-hmm. know, in the anticipation. Then he goes, "I guess my parents weren't as cool as I thought they were," and it's like, it's such a stupid scene, bitch. Please, and that's when she starts having her allergic reaction. She's like, "You know that I am very allergic to to." Perfumes, and he's like, "Oh, I, I guess I forgot." And she's like, "You know what else you forgot? My birthday. It was yesterday." And and then he goes downstairs and sees that the Italian guy, yeah, Marco had sent her a big ass bouquet of flowers. Mm-hmm. It's slipping, dude. It's slipping. But no, like, it's it's one of those. The movie still hasn't decided what the conflict is because oh, it has. It's thrown. It's thrown all of its its eggs into the pacifism bucket. Well, just because that scene. It looks like they're still going, but he's also becoming different. But actually, he's not. Whoa! Yeah, I guess that's true. They're they're just ah. They're pulling back and forth between he's becoming a jerky jock. Oh no, but he's too sensitive and 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 sweet and blah blah yeah. blah. And so it's just it's I don't know. This movie just can't decide. <laughs> it, this movie has an identity crisis. Yes. 
Uh, Farley gets attacked by a player during a game, and we think that he might square off and fight. But instead, he quotes Gandhi's eye for an eye quote. Uh, and they said that an eye for an eye makes the world blind. And he, But he quotes it in... Uh, Indian. I don't. I can't remember the actual. I don't know if he did it in Hindi or Tamil or yeah, which one, because they don't tell us. I don't know which language he quotes it in, but he quotes it in uh, that language, and the guy's like, "What?" And he says, "From Mahatma Gandhi. You should look it up." And then just skates away. And you can see the, his whole team is like all excited. Oh, is he gonna throw down? Is he gonna post? Is he gonna pop his brawl cherry? Like they're like hoping yeah. that he's going to throw down so that they can accept him as one of them. But instead, so he, stupid. but instead he just ups his pacifism game and skates away. Uh, we are then treated to Marco, the Italian, hitting on Eve and passing off someone else's song as his own love song to Eve. Eve calls him out on it, and Marco thinks that that's his cue to Frencher. Farley is creeping on the stairs and sees it, but turns around and leaves before he can see he can see Eve tell Marco off and admit that she loves Farley and will never love Marco. This scene was so dumb. So Eve is sitting with Marco and they're playing and then they get done playing and Marco's like, oh, I have I have a gift for you from my heart. And what's the song? Oh, gosh, I can't even remember. I didn't give a shit. Yeah, it's some popular <laughs> love song. And he, it's, he like it's a Dan Hill song. And yeah, he sings like the first few bit of it, a few lyrics of it and stuff and is like all into himself about it. And then he, he stops and he looks at Eve and she goes. That's a Dan Hill song. My parents sang that song at their wedding. They're divorced now. And he's like, yeah. he's like, no, no, I wrote it. It's me. And then she proceeds to like sing the rest of the song to him. Mm-hmm. And Farley is coming up the stairs as this happens. And from his perspective, he sees Eve singing a love song to Marco, who then proceeds to latch onto her face like a face hugger and give her a, a Italian French kiss. Yeah. And uh, of course, Farley in classic, typical movie style rather than like waiting for half a second he turns around and storms out so he doesn't get to see eve push marco off and be like ew you did that that i like farley not you and and what in the universe of really anything would because she's just singing it a cappella so it's it's in-universe singing out loud, and I'm sorry, if I walked up the stairs and saw you singing something to someone else, I would think you were demonstrating a song, especially (laughs) if it's a song that's a well-known song. And then I'd just be like, oh, how is this going to play off? And then if someone Frenched you, I would probably leap over the banister and punch their lights out, and then... I think what you would do if you saw that happen, you would wait to see how I reacted before you came to a conclusion. Yeah. uh, Which is what Farley should have done. Yeah. Because if you see the person you like kissing someone else, you'd wait to see, like, are they... Do they reciprocate this? are they into this? Or is this unwanted? But, uh, but yes, I think then Kay would have proceeded to leap over the balcony and, uh, and rip the person's head and spinal cord out of their body, mm-hmm. all a predator style. And then beaten them with it. Beaten their corpse yeah, with, with their own been a, skull and spinal cord. Would have been a thing. I've seen her do it before, guys. Don't mess with Kay. Yeah. Uh, so... <laughs> After Marco the Italian, uh, Farley has a pissy song in which he complains to his neighborhood hockey friends who tell him that he likes Eve and she likes him and he needs to jump on the train, the Eve train to Poundtown. <laughs> so after Farley tells his friends off, he walks home in a pout. He runs into Eve, who also tells 
uh, who he also tells off. Farley is burning all of his bridges. Mm -hmm. So after he tells his friends, like, oh, well, she's like a sister to me. I don't feel that way. They're like, dude, yeah, you do. And Mm -hmm. she does. Like, just talk to her about it. He's like, no, I can't. And that's when he runs into Eve. And she's like, hey, are you going to come to my recital tomorrow? He's like, I can't. I'm busy. And that's when she asks, oh, well, what's what's going on? What's wrong? He's like, nothing. You're just with Marco. And she's trying to explain it to him. And then she's finally like, you know what? I don't need to explain this to you. And I'm just... She's like, basically like, are you calling me a liar? Because if you're yeah. calling me a liar, we'll just end this conversation. He's like, meh, meh, meh. I'm not calling you a liar, but your pants sure are on fire. Yeah. This is basically it's... the childish response. That... Oh, it's so stupid. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you... I hate when you watch a movie... And you watch the characters behave so stupid. It mm-hmm. just... Just... Okay. Okay, anyway. <laughs> the next game is a, is here, and Farley has had enough. He throws fists with one of the other team members and kicks some ass. To the rejoicing of everyone else. Yay for violence! The guy... I can't remember exactly how the conflict occurs, but Farley does... It's a, it's another goalie. Farley seems to have beef with goalies. Yeah. I guess it's because he makes them look bad. Mm-hmm. But, so he throws his gloves down and proceeds to beat the shit out of the other guy. Yeah. What was funny about it is it was a very poor fight scene because the other guy just sits there and gets punched. <laughs> he never throws another punch at Farley. Farley never does... Farley never demonstrates, like, superior combat no. prowess by, like, dodging or ducking or blocking. He just grabs the guy and just punches him, like, 15 times. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah! And uh, then, like, the whole... It's it's a really weird scene because then a fight breaks out between both teams. And, you, and then it stops. Like, time stops. Farley has a sad song, and he skates off of the rink while everybody is frozen in their combat poses. Yeah. And uh, Farley sings a sad song about uh, the game, how the game is changing him, and he doesn't like it. Farley concludes uh, his sad song by saying that he's quitting hockey and going back to where he belongs. The hockey world is sad that Farley is quitting, and Farley does a sad walk down the street and runs into Marco, moping about how Eve doesn't love him. Farley realizes that he's an ass for not believing Eve and goes home to mope and sing another sad song, then continues his sad song at the train station, at the art museum, on the street. Eve! Oh, Eve! How he misses her! So bad! Farley is spineless and walks next door to apologize. He's too spineless to... Yeah, sorry. Farley is too spineless to uh, apologize and... Oh, wow. Okay. Sorry. Ha ha ha! Eve, oh Eve, how he misses her. Too bad Farley is spineless and and uh, too spineless to walk next door and apologize. Farley is such a p word. Mm-hmm. And not yeah. Possible. So uh, it's the word that comes to mind is pathetic. Um, yeah, it's it's so and it's it's funny when he's having his sad song and moping about because <laughs> he's like everywhere he is he sees hockey. So like when he goes to the art museum, he's there's like this group of school children in full hockey outfits coming through the museum and it's just everywhere he goes he sees hockey and he's complaining about oh hockey's changing me but i want to play hockey and eve is mad at me and life's not fair and this is where it goes to oh now we're a sung through because it's like song 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 just non-stop yeah. song. Short, bad song after short, bad song. It's it's rapid fire of of uh, musical atrocities. Um, 
<laughs> so Farley is just moping around in his house, and his Farley's parents call a doctor to diagnose why Farley is so mopey and sad. The doctor is like, eh, it's teenage angst. He'll grow out of it. Farley's parents apologize to him and say that they've made mistakes and they should have been more supportive of him. Farley goes to continue his moping on the ice rink and has a break from reality in which the ghosts of hockey past, present, and future tell him to grow up and do what he loves. Oh, and old-ass Walter Gretzky is there. Neat! Farley decides to listen to the hockey ghosts and decides to be true to himself. It's this really weird scene. It's so it's so weird, you guys. The deleted scene that Kay and I watched is this scene, but expanded. Because he's, he, he's like mopey and sad and he can't sleep. So he decides, I'm going to go to the hockey rink at nighttime and just skate around. And while he's doing that, he goes insane temporarily. And all of these hockey specters materialize on the rink and start talking to him and singing. And that's when we see Walter Gretzky, who I assume is Wayne Gretzky's father. Yeah. Uh telling him that he needs to be true to himself and that is playing hockey and that i guess is what snaps farley out of it yeah and is is they, ghosts they ghosts are the this, hero of this they have this line in it that it was one of those things where when when the line when theo flurry starts singing and they go Wow, Theo Fleury can sing. Damn it, what can he do? I'm like, no, it's too late, movie. It's too late to fix what you've done. I don't even know who Theo Fleury is. Um, I think he's a hockey player. Oh, everybody's everybody's a hockey player. Yeah, he has to be a hockey player. He's getting inspiration. He's getting inspiration from hockey players. Yeah, he? yeah. He was for the Calgary Flame. Oh, I should know because he's from the Colorado Avalanche, but I never watched. Colorado. So why should you know? You're not. I'm from Colorado. Yeah, but you're not a hockey fan. The only reason I know who John Stockton and Carl Malone are is because they were always freaking on TV. Yeah, true. Oh, and Jeff Hornacek. Those are the only three jazz players I can name off the top of my head. Anyway, Farley uh, throws a snowball through the window of Eve's house because he's a dick. Also, he didn't know the window was open. Uh, He sings his love to Eve and tells her that he loves her. Eve rushes down to sing back at him, and the two just stand there, singing awkwardly to one another, then have their first kiss. And even though we should care, it's boring. Next scene, please. Uh, At this point, I was starting to write my crossover fan fiction where (laughs) uh, Jonesy and Riley show up and improve the movie. (laughs) Oh my god. I want to see a crossover with that now where they go to, like, play against him. Like, oh my god. Ferda, bro! Ferda! Big city slams, bro! Dirty fucking dangles, bro! Like, I, I just, I was, I was like, you know what? I've checked out. So, when, uh, it was, it was kind of funny. Because, like, he tries to do that typical, like, teenage love thing where he throws something on the person's window mm-hmm. to get their attention. I don't know why he just didn't go over to his own room and, like, use their special connective two-way... Actually, I think she disconnected I think it. she did. That's why. Cause... That's... Okay, that's why. So I he, don't know. He throws a snowball out her window, but her window is open, you know, during the winter, nighttime in Canada. Uh, so the snowball goes in, and she comes out, and she's like, you just threw a snowball into my room. He's like, I, I didn't know your window was open. You know, it's bad to waste heat like that, right? And she goes, I can't turn off my radiator. Or, yeah, so you should it's... probably get that fixed, because um, that's also bad. So, 
But that's when he proceeds to sing and be like, I'm sorry, I'm a douchebag. I love you. And I should have told you sooner. And I'm sorry. And that's, and she then like rushes away from the window and he thinks, oh no, she doesn't feel the same way. But then she rushes down, you know, in like the teenage girl, like where they run kind of awkwardly and excitedly. And it's like, I love you too. And then they have a really weird. It's so, it. It's off-putting. Yeah, there's no chemistry between these two either. Like, no, no. But after Farley decides to be true to himself and has his uh, first and second kisses with his BFF slash GF, Farley bursts into his parents' room and wakes them up because it couldn't wait until the morning. Like, and he knows that they're in a sexless marriage now. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> that actually would have been better if he goes to bust into the room and they're in the middle of, of, of uh, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it would have... That would have been, it it would have made it a funny moment. That would have been funnier. But no, uh, no, he busts into his parents' room. Mom and Dad, wake up! And they're like, huh? Huh? What's wrong? What's wrong? And he's like, I'm going to keep playing hockey. And they have this look on their faces like, this couldn't wait until the morning. Like, yeah. he had to wake us up. So stupid. <laughs> like, that was just. Okay, okay, anyway. We're uh, almost done, Warren. One more note. It's a long one, though. Farley bursts in on the team in the locker room getting ready for the game and asks to come back to the team. The coach is mad, but the team wants him back. They tell him that they had a secret team meeting after Farley quit, in which they channeled Oprah Winfrey's spirit, and they all held hands and cried. <laughs> this is They say that. They do. They came to the conclusion that while they agree with Farley, if he won't defend himself, they can't help him, despite all the aforementioned times of them defending mm -hmm. him when people were trying to come after him. Uh, but Farley has a plan to resolve conflict on the ice. Hugs. Lots of hugs. And he does just that. He bear hugs the first guy that tries to punch him and saps all of the man's macho bravado. Seriously, that's how Farley uses his pacifism to overcome violence in hockey. Not kidding. And then they all sing the goddamn hockey song. Yeah, then they all and sing that hockey is the greatest sport in the world. Hockey is the greatest sport in the world. And everyone gets on the ice, whether or not they have ice skates, and they do this choreographed dance. And I just was... I I was checked out. And the girl who's with Squirrely Dan in every scene is given solos for some reason... I don't know, maybe that was another deleted scene that they went, you know what, no, we can't put this on the DVD um, because there's no reason for her to exist, really. It, but they treat her and Squirrely Dan like featured extras, but then they don't really ever do anything They're just with there them. cheering. Yeah, they're just there cheering, and I kept hoping Squirrely Dan would sing because he's he's demonstrated in Letterkenny that he can sing, he can carry a tune, and so I was like... Oh boy, this is oh you're just gonna pan over him and not even give him a solo, but you're gonna give the lady with him a solo and not explain why she suddenly gets a solo and yeah, yeah. I don't I this movie was so just all over the place. The music was bad. The choreography was awkward as hell. If it wasn't a musical, it might have been enjoyable. Yeah, if they if if they would have gone a different route with this movie and just made a a, a self aware 
comedy. I mean, we wouldn't movie. have reviewed it. Yeah, but... we wouldn't have reviewed it, but it might have been better, and we actually would have seen it anyway because it would have been entertaining, and people would have been like, "Hey, have you seen this movie? It's pretty funny, even though it's a hockey movie." Yeah. I mean, I'm not a hockey fan, but I've seen Mighty Ducks. Like, I'm yeah, not a baseball fan, but I've seen Rookie of the Year. Like, I've was... seen Angels in the Outfield. Same. If it was an entertaining hockey movie. Probably might have seen it anyway, but no, instead they made a subpar musical with some brief, hilarious moments that are quickly forgotten when the crushing weight of the overall stupidity Mm -hmm. sinks in. And I I hate to give High School Musical credit because I really do not like that show, but there was talent with regards to High School Musical, like singing, songwriting... It's stupid, but there's talent with it. With this, I would say that you can count the people who can sing well on one hand. Would you use the whole hand? No. (laughs) And it's not... uh, How many fingers are we talking about, Kay? One finger? Two fingers? Olivia Newton-John... I would like to point out that Kay is starting with her middle finger... Hockey boy kind of can sing. He's thumb that way stays on one hand. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hockey boy. Um, We're up to a middle finger and a thumb now. Um. Uh. Uh. You know, hockey boy wasn't too bad. Yeah, hockey boy wasn't too bad. I didn't really care for Puck Bunny's voice. She. She was not the worst. She wasn't the worst, but she wasn't really good. Um. On occasion, our hockey bros could carry a tune. It was really but... weird because they'd have these brief moments of sounding good, and then it would immediately tank. Yeah, so it was almost like accidental good. Mm-hmm. Like when I sing, like some, like you'll be like, "See, you can carry a tune," and then I try it again, and it's terrible. So it's like accidental good. It, it's one of those things that, you know, it's not shameful to overdub other singers if you're doing a musical. I think if you're good, if you're going for a musical, what's important is that the music is good. Yeah, but like if if you're trying, if you're wanting to have specific people for a look, which I don't agree with generally, but I would have taken that over this. I would have taken, hey, we sweetened the track with these other voice actors and did some good ADR. I would have taken that over this. No, I agree. Um, because and. The fact that they had Olivia Newton-John and then didn't use her. Yeah, barely, barely I even was, used her. She I was, was like, just, she was an a, a uh, accompanying singer. Yeah. Like, she was never, ever front and center. And we know she can sing. Uh-huh. And the thing that was funny, too, is even the parts where she was singing, it was like she was phoning it in. Mm-hmm. And she still sounded better than the other people. Yeah, she did. And so it, it just makes me, it makes me question a lot of things, Warren. A lot of things. But, like whether or not we'll be sober at the end of the evening? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to watch Music Man in a minute, which, by the way, folks, Music Man is going to be our bonus in between uh, now and the spoopy month. Um, but, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to need to do some soul searching. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah, score... Score does not earn a high score from me. No. Score, uh, 
you know, I, I would almost say that Score is a contender for a Runyon. Yeah. But the problem is, is it had two really funny scenes. Had two really funny scenes that I I really liked. Yeah. And I think that that... That, that might save it that will, that might, from a run. That might save it just enough from being one of the worst musicals we reviewed. Mm-hmm. Actually, no. I mean, out of everything that we've reviewed, it's definitely towards the bottom. Mm-hmm. But it's higher up towards the bottom because it had some really funny stuff. It's, it's higher up than Spider-Man and Starlight Express. Yes. yes. I don't know about Grease. You know what sucks, though, is that both Spider-Man and Starlight Express, at least they had people who could sing. Mm-hmm. So even if I didn't like the songs or the music, at least the people singing it could sing. Yeah. Uh, this... No. And that's the funny thing is that the good parts of this movie had nothing to do with the music. Had yeah. Had nothing to do with the music. It was just comedy acting. Yeah. I would almost... If you can find uh, scenes from this movie... Like, I don't even know if they're on YouTube or not, but like... The Frenchman talking about Gus... Is amazing. It's so funny. It the is French, the best scene. Oh my god. The Frenchman's <laughs> monologue with Gus is so good. It is so good. That and the levitation. The levitation is not as funny because it's briefer. But yeah, the rev- but the levitation was so funny because it was so unexpected. Yeah, it just came out of left wing. You thought that he was going to just be there, just you know, um, with the mm-hmm. other guys, and they'd just be like, you know, getting centered with themselves, and then it cuts to them and they're fucking levitating. <laughs> and scenes like that are why the conflict towards the end don't make sense because he still bonds with them. So it doesn't make sense that that other conflict happens. It's just, huh. Huh. Yeah, this this movie was bad, guys. The musical was bad. It was a roller coaster because knowing that uh, this musical was coming up, I was slightly cursing our friend Ruckland. Then when it got to the funny parts, I was like, oh, Ruckland, you secret genius. And now I'm back to cursing Ruckland. So. I'm just... And not really. We not love really. Rock. We love you, Rock. We we love you so much. But man, this this one's bad. This one's so bad. It's bad. Uh, <laughs> this, if you can find it or rent it for like a dollar, it might be an entertaining like bad movie night type of thing. Yeah. Uh, but I was not... going to joke and say do a drinking game with it every time they. No. No. Yeah. Because no matter what you do. <laughs> Like, you're going to be drinking too much. Whatever game you come up with. You will die. <laughs> oh, my God, though. Oh. All right. So, um, like I said, we're going to be doing Music Man. Which I know nothing about, but I have heard is good. Well, when we get to the review, you will find out you've, you know more about it than you may think. Oh. Yes. Mysteries will be revealed. Mysteries will open up in front of you. Ninja Dust! <laughs> So, yeah, we're we're going to do a double this week um, after we do a double of whatever drink of choice we decide <laughs> on um, <laughs> to clear score out of our brain. What's the joke that I'm thinking of? It's, uh, uh, dang it, dang it, dang it. Uh, Parks and Rec. Ron? Yeah, Ron from mm-hmm. Parks and Rec has that line of uh, clear liquor is for rich, rich women on diets. Yeah. So it feels like right now, except we're poor. It's for poor people trying to lose weight. Yep, poor folks on a diet. Um, but we're 
yeah, we're, we're going to do Music Man next, and that'll be our second episode this week. And then next week we'll be back to our normal schedule of uh, doing just once a week. Uh, if we have any mini-sodes that occur, like if we happen to see something live, I don't have anything scheduled yet for us to see live, but um, we'll see. But yeah, so... Other other than our complaints, thank you guys for listening. Thank you so much. And thank you, Ruck, for recommending this one, because at the very least, it's entertaining to watch us suffer. At the very least, we got a couple laughs and hopefully gave you a couple laughs. Yes. Um, yeah, we're, we're just... We love you guys. We're grateful to have you guys listen to us every week and and if you want to uh connect with us you can always reach us on the on our uh social media uh twitter facebook and gmail all tone deaf musical Mm -hmm. um you can join us on our discord server we have uh the podcast junkie discord server it's not ours but we Mm -hmm. have our own channel there yep you can come and chat with us about musicals or unrelated things because we are nerds in other ways as well yes we Uh, are and uh, if you can find the time, please give us a rate and review, um, iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts. Yep, uh, you can do it on Podchaser, CastBox, all those. What Kay said. Um, we also have a website, ToneDeafMusical.com. Uh, Which Kay has been working on, and it looks awesome. She's wonderful. Thanks. Um, and yeah, we just, we, we, we're glad to have you. We're glad to be able to bring this to you every week. Or sometimes twice a week if we miss a week because <laughs> of swollen face disease. Um, but yeah, we we just we love you guys and uh, we're we're excited to bring our next episode to you in a couple of days or however long it takes me to edit. Whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> Whenever you're listening to this, if you're doing a binge listen, then we love you. If you're binge listening too, we just love you. So. Um, That'll be it for today. I'm Kay. I'm Warren. This has been Tone Tone Deaf. Deaf.